Hello, and welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. I'm your host, Guthrie, and my co-host is Susan. Hello. So, uh, yes, I'm doing host and co-host today a little bit different. Um, so, uh, Susan, do you want to give the disclaimers today? The disclaimers, or you mean the... The, the, the pre, pre-show chatter? The cheerleading. Yes, we, I'll do that. So, first of all, um, if you like our podcasts, uh, f- you should subscribe to the podcast, and then you should tell your friends, and then you should rate it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, because that really does help us get the word out about it. And secondly, if you have any questions or comments or need to reach us for any reason, you can email us, and the email address is info at theteamw.com. How did I do? Uh, that was that was very good. Was I should have done time. really poorly because mm. now you're gonna want me to do nah, it. No, I'll still probably do it. I okay, like talking. Good. Um, so for those of you who are out there listening, we are recording this uh, on August second, but it's probably not gonna get out to you guys for uh, ten days. Ten days. Um, we're re- we're recording ahead. Yeah. So the other thing is that you know, Susan, why don't you, Susan, you should describe what we're actually going to be talking about today because it's actually pretty relevant. And so maybe this is stupid to to do it because they the the classic line is you know, uh, a a day is a week, a week is uh, a year, and a year is an eternity in politics. So. Oh well, yeah. Wow. Yeah, we, you know, we, so we're going to talk about persuasion techniques used in political campaigns. And um, we do it with a little bit, I do it with a little bit of trepidation because, you know, talking about politics, right? That's tough. And uh, on the other hand, you know, we talk about persuasion a lot and tech, you know, psychology and techniques of persuasion and, I'm always fascinated with what um, political campaigns uh, do or don't do in terms of the, you know, what are they, what persuasion and psychology principles are they using to try and persuade people to vote for their candidate? Well, I mean, and obviously there is nothing. What? There's nothing more interesting than a political, because it's like the ultimate sale. I guess, although some people really don't like politics, so they might not be interested. But it, why do you say it's the ultimate sale? Well, because it's you're selling, you're selling, an, you're you're selling. You have to sell the person to sell the person that they are part that what their identity as a person is. I guess. Which is, which I guess, is kind of weird. Well, what's well, what's your what's your thought? Well, first of all, before we dive into it, I want to say that uh, we are going to mainly focus on political campaigns in the U.S., but everything we're going to talk about, I think, is relevant to any political campaign anywhere. We're going to focus on the um, extremely controversial campaigns going on right now in U.S. presidential politics, um, but... The stuff well, we... no, 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 but, but also just generally. Um... Yeah, because that's what, I, yeah, I'm going to use, I think we're going to use 
U.S. presidential Which politics. Yeah, no, but I don't, I want to I want to broaden it to broader than just presidential. Yeah, it really has to do with any time anyone is running for any office. No, you're correct that that we're going we're going to be using the cycle. Yes, but it's but but it's not we're not the United States is not just electing the president um, this cycle. No, will be senators yeah. and yeah. congressmen and yeah. um, dog catchers, which um, people might laugh. Uh, but if you're not familiar, there are a number of states in which many governmental positions must be uh, uh, elected officials, um, including dog catcher. Do so you that's have a, that in Illinois? I have no idea. I don't think so. Yeah, well, the, first think... of all, that would be a, that would be a municipal title. That wouldn't be a state title. So yeah. So it, w- it would be up to the municipality to de- determine if they wanted to elect their dog catchers or, or not. And the these lo- more local elections are actually really critical for many reasons, especially um, in the United States. Yeah. Yeah, and one of one of which is that that's, you know, it's the um, people in. W- if you run for a high level political office like a president. Well, but before I should just say for those of you who are not, intunely familiar with the United States uh, federal system of government, yeah. um, there is at the. At the basic level, each little hamlet, each little town, has their own city government, uh, yeah. and that is completely elected by the people in that city. They run things like sewer and water, and the roads, and the school system um, is generally elected on a school board. Uh, they do property taxes. Um, up one le- level from that, there's the county. Um, those are, you know, maybe a hundred towns, right, in one little county, and uh, the county does. Uh, more stuff. They might have a sales tax. They'll plow the roads. They'll. Uh, I don't even know what else the county does. There's a sheriff, a county sheriff. Um, yeah, usually they do the prisons and. The... Yeah, prisons. Even though um, most police officers work for the city, but there'll be a sh- you know sheriffs and uh, prisons and various other stuff. So then, a uh, hundred counties will probably make up a state. And of course, I think we are all familiar with state state government. State governments usually have a House of uh, Representatives and a Senate, kind of. Depends on the state, but it generally mimics the federal system. And they do a lot of stuff. They decide um, most of the welfare stuff is done through the states. So all the Medicare and Medicaid is administered by the states. Um, the, uh, they do uh, the college system. The public colleges um, are run state by the states. Judicial. They build all the highways. Uh, yeah, the, the Supreme, right, the state has, a, has, you know, all the courts operate under the states. There's a lot that the states do. And then, of course, there's finally the federal government. That does uh, everything else, um, and and and, uh, and I think people are pretty 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 much understand federal government, and it's you know there's a Senate and the House of Representatives and the President and the three, and they they all kind of fight each other. So yeah, federalism. Okay, that was a quick little. I sh- I was trying to be really really brief, that and I think good. I think I actually succeeded in being expedient. All right, so now where were we? Oh, I don't know. Okay, so. You were going to say something that, but that people who didn't understand how the federal system of cities and counties worked would have been lost. So I felt it was my obligation to step in. Okay. All right. Well, in any, in, in, I think that the, you know, the, the ways that persuasion techniques are used um, vary. Uh, in those different levels 
you know, the, the lower level, the, the more local you are, usually the less intense um, and less polarized the races are. And as you get on up, it, it starts to get more intense. And of course, there's the question of money, right? Well, so, and it's also very different in the United States because we only have two parties. So it's yeah. not just an intense election because you're trying to get more votes than the other party. Like literally, you either win or you lose, right? There, you know. So if if you're right. for one party, if the other yeah. party wins, you've lost. And yeah, um, you know, and it can be right if you get if you get 100 votes and one more vote. Then the other, if you get one more vote than the other guy, you get nothing, and they get everything. So it's um, the winner go home, and uh, so 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 can make for very contentious elections because there really is a lot riding on that extra, you know, two percent at the at the in in the middle, right? Because forty five percent know who they're yeah. voting for, and then there's the remaining, you know, on each side, and then there's the, just the remaining little middle ten percent that might sway their vote. Yeah. And they essentially decide the election. Now, we have a very interesting presidential election right now. Um, and and I would say um, probably the most interesting presidential election in my lifetime here in the U.S. More than 68? Uh, even more than, well, I, I, was, well, I wasn't born in 68. Ha, 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 right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this is probably, although we're, I want to talk a little bit historically about some of the persuasion techniques and some of the technology used over the years, too. Yes. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to try not to be, this is not going to be like a political rant. No, no, no. So. I'm going to try not to do that. But I, but I think we can't ignore the fact that this particular race is unusual. Um, it's very interesting characteristics. Very, well, and very interesting characters, <laughs> running for president. I mean, well, I, so I mean, I guess that's a very good place to start. So back in the 1800s, yeah. Um, so for example, people may not know this: vice president. The idea that that you nominate someone and then they choose their vice president is a, is I mean, it's not new, but it, that's not how things were in America for hundreds of years. Okay, hundreds is for maybe 800, 100 years, um, for the vast majority of uh, of time. And I could. It could be wrong. It, you know, if I'm wrong, you, you guys can correct me. But I, I'm pretty sure that um, the way it worked is you had two people run for president, and one person won, and the person who lost became their vice president. Really? I didn't know that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that made for trouble. Um, but, but, then, but then they switched to the uh, kind of party system, right, where the well, then you, you you were able to just kind of choose strategically choose your vice president, um, and uh, but you know it wasn't this this idea that people vote in primaries and then their votes actually mean something and then they choose the candidate. This is this is newfangled stuff. I mean, for so after a hundred years, you know, for two hundred years out of the two fifty of the United States ballpark. Uh, basically, political part political parties are private entities. They're not public. They don't, uh, you know, all the kind of voting stuff, the federal yeah. laws about, you know, elections. They don't really apply to um, really private elections. The the uh, Democratic and Republican um, parties. They're again, they're just private entities like the NRA or, uh, you know, the you know basketball league something something you know there's there's just there's just a private entity um right. which is so it's kind of a weird 
it's kind of a weird system. Uh, and so they can choose a candidate however they want. It, it doesn't it doesn't really matter as long as they're on the back. You know, they they could they could uh, yeah they could play a game of basketball, and the person with the most assists becomes the presidential candidate. I mean, it's there's that could now that's yeah, yeah now over so, the years they've they've yeah sorry I I didn't mean to interrupt I just just to finish over the years now they do this thing where people vote in states yeah and then the winner of that they have a like a democratic process now here's a small aside and then really we <sighs> okay. got to get back to I know I know I just I know it's a it, blah, did, did blah, you blah, know blah, blah, blah. no no I have another small aside did you know that um the the idea of voting via a secret ballot is actually relatively new as well I don't I don't know what do you mean a secret ballot well when you go vote Oh, oh, you, you like close the little window and then they can't see you? See who yeah. you vote for? Yeah. yeah. No one knows who you no, vote for. I had no for. idea. Did you know that? That is not the way voting used to occur. I mean, I, I knew standard voting procedure was you'd get a really big beard and then each time you voted, you just cut a little bit off to, I, uh, no, no. to fool we, the, the The, the way the voting used to work um, <laughs> is you would get handed uh, a card you would take a card, and the card would be either, you know, blue or red, I think, are the, were the two colors for the two parties. And so you would, you would hand in your card, and it was very obvious who you were voting for. In I fact, like it. People would walk down the street with their card in their hand, so people knew who they were voting for. And then and fights would ensue. Right? Oh, yeah, would, duels. They would knock you fights. out and, you know, punch you in the nose to prevent you from, because you had a blue card in your pocket. It was obvious who you were going to vote for. Um, and great. there was no secret ballot. And that, do you know when that changed? I have no idea. When women got the right to vote. Ah, Because the women sure. said, there is no way I'm going to go to the ballot box and get harassed because I'm holding a very red smart. card. Very smart. And so then they instituted the secret ballot. So yeah, anyway. politics used to be a lot more contentious. Um, I think my one of my favorite political moments was right before the Civil War when uh, when a, a fine, I believe it was a, a senator from Massachusetts, um, implied basically that uh, one of the other uh, senator, senators uh, from from the uh, what then what would soon to become the Confederacy um, his, uh, his cousin, I believe, was some sort of philanderer. There was, it was, it was some, it was some grievous insult about something. Um, and so, um, uh, he, uh, he, he went to the, uh, to, to the other senator in yeah. the Senate, yeah. uh, and he basically beat him to death with a stick while people, uh, looked on and, uh, the guy barely survived. And, uh, yeah, so, you know. When if you think things are bad, remember senators <laughs> used to almost beat each other to death. Yeah, so if you think things are uncivilized now, you may need to rethink that. Yeah, um, there are way less assassinations uh, in more turbulent times in U.S. history. Yeah, we've we kill people. I mean, again, so that's why I '68, which I was not around for, but um, a, you know, major presidential candidate was assassinated during like, during the the election. I mean, it was yeah, it was. It's crazy. Yeah, that that was a very crazy time. But this is also a crazy time. This so is we, also a crazy we time. We have two candidates. I just wanted to put things in perspective. Uh, one of which has never held any off public office. You can say names. It's Donald fine. Trump has never held any public office. And that's unusual. In a, in a presidential candidate recently, 
they typically have held, you know, they've been a governor of a state, they've been a senator, they've been something. I think of the last long time. Yeah, because even like, so like Reagan, he was a governor. I mean, Ross Perot wasn't, but he was a. Yeah, yeah. He was I mean, a third it's happened. Party candidate. It's happened, but it's unusual. Well, I'm trying to think of the last time um, one of the I'm not nominees sure, but, was not. I'm not sure about Eisenhower. Ooh, good. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just, gonna, I was just thinking about like uh, generals. He was a war general. That was yeah. a, that was another very common yeah. thing. To so be Eisenhower. High level. You know, but, I remember because Eisenhower, um, they everyone wanted Eisenhower to run, um, but uh, and people loved him, so he was probably going to get elected. But he was, if I remember correctly, he. Um, was trying to decide between the Republican and the Democratic Party. Both parties were wooing him for his huh. candidacy because, of course, you know he's from the military. So and did India, had he held any public office? I, I'm not sure. No, we'll, I, we'll I don't believe it. so. But I could. But be, he could was, be you know, well, yeah. So that was maybe the last time. But anyway, yeah. we have we have someone who has not held any public office. That's Donald Trump. And then we have the first woman. Um, you know, it only took 200 some years, but I'll be quiet. Uh, well, we have the first woman who's who's ever been nominated by uh, one of the two major parties. So, you know, that's those are unusual. They're also um, they are, you know, they have they have kind of different ideas of what they would do with uh, with the policies of the country. So they they are quite different. I mean, sometimes we've had we've had presidential races where. Um, you know the the two parties. You can't really tell that big a difference between them in terms of what their policies are. But this this time there's a there's a clear choice, and we have we have some also some very big um, divisions. Uh, you know where you have um, socioeconomic divisions. You have wait divisions betwixt, in terms of betwixt whom in, in within the party or between the parties between between or? the candidates. Like you have, for instance. Um, you know, even before uh, Hillary Clinton became the the Democratic nominee, uh, she was running in a primary against Bernie Sanders, and the young people, the uh, millennials, yeah, people under thirty five, were re- very much for uh, Bernie Sanders and it has, not for it, yeah, Hillary Clinton. It's been a weird election because there's been so many uh, basically lines down really uh, lo- really yeah usually de- right lines. you'll you'll be up a couple points with a yeah, certain demographic yeah but it's not a huge line so bernie won people under 35 basically n- by you know 90% to 10% yeah. so for every 10 and, young voters that you know nine were voting for bernie and we also have a thing where you know very few women uh, are for donald trump so we've That's got That's not true yeah, I, that's still pretty true. No, 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 no. So very few. I mean, we're maybe I think Donald Trump's down like 14 points by women. So maybe it's 65, 35 or something. It's, it's a fairly strong line. Oh, no. But compared to <laughs> compared to minority groups. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, you know, so so, for example, Donald Trump is polling at about one or two percent with oh. African-Americans. So like oh, 98 okay. to, to two. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So right. there and are maybe, these, maybe there's this, you know, eighty-five, fifteen with Hispanic there's these voters. Big, there's these big lines. Yeah. But let's talk about persuasion techniques because that's you know I've been watching. So I, I'm I'm a fairly political person, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm married to a newspaper editor, so 
He's always up on the politics, so I'm usually up on the politics. You, you had some storied political uh, history as well in your I past. I have. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I actually ran for a public office. You ran my, for public office? In my, at my, in, I was on the school board for Sorry, seven years. Local election. Uh, Which, uh, you know, I won that you, first election by seven votes. Seven votes. So when you, <laughs> so when you yes, talk about uh, getting, going door to door. I went door to door for myself. And uh, That's democracy I mean, we, right I live there. in a small town, so there weren't that many votes cast. <laughs> uh, were, there, were there eight votes cast? There did was you, more you... than eight. There was, there, was, yeah. there was probably, well, there was definitely, there was maybe a thousand votes cast. Definitely several. In the hundreds, but anyway, uh, I, I won by seven that's, votes. That's a great story. And so, you, well, and when you were younger, you were a bit of a, you know, I don't know, rebellious. What? Oh, way younger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. But anyway, um, I've been very involved in this in this season. Very interested. Very involved. I watched many hours of both the Democratic and the Republican convention on uh, C-SPAN. Um, I should just say on your just as a general note, yeah. she says she's involved, but um, traditionally she hasn't been too involved in the political process compared. So she's not like she's not like a delegate, you know. She's not no, in the political no, system, no, or it has connections I'm, on that. I'm, kind of I'm I'm keeping up. On yes, the, yes. I I just wanted because when you say you're involved, I think people kind of think oh, you're like okay, a party yeah, boss, yeah. like you know, no, running no, the local I am chapter not a party boss. something. Although I will tell you that in the last. Um, two president. Well, since two thousand and eight. Yeah, you've been involved. I I you know volunteer. Yeah, sure. And uh, I have a meeting this this afternoon. But I'm you're not in. you're not like on payroll. You're not getting no you're not getting no, checks no, from no, the DNC. No, 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 no. I, I just wanted to. to. I just wanted. To. Yeah, no, that's good. So I, so I've also been, um, of course, being a psychologist and interested in persuasion and. And that this intersection between people and technology, I've been very interested in the campaigns and what they're doing psychologically, what they're doing in terms of persuasion, what they're doing in terms of technology. So, I, you know, let's talk about that. So, Where would you like uh, to start? Well, I have, I have a question for you. Oh, yes. Ask away. <laughs> Although I think this is a pretty easy question. It's okay. I'm sure I'll have lots of stuff to say about it. So, um... One of the presidential candidates, uh, a, a, I would say a big part of their persuasion message. Now, as we t start talking about the persuasion um, techniques in the different campaigns, I do want to say I, I don't have any inside knowledge as to whether um, for these particular candidates, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, whether they have retained the services of psychologists and persuasion experts and are purposely you know using this techniques or whether it's just happening that way okay now i will go back and talk about some things i know about past campaigns but but um so one of these candidates is using very much a persuasion the persuasion method of um, instilling fear and guthrie which candidate <laughs> do you think is using fear as a as a main persuasion technique? Uh, that that would that would be the Donald. That would be the Donald. Yeah. So 
um, especially, and if any of you are, who are listening who might be interested in kind of, you know, looking and checking it out, that I would, uh, and, and if you didn't watch the conventions and all of that, I would either watch or read the acceptance speeches of both candidates and then you'll, you'll, you know, because their acceptance speeches very much followed what they've been doing throughout their campaigns. So, you know, Donald Trump's, uh, has a very heavy fear message. Uh, you know, if, if, if you don't elect him, everything is falling apart and people are coming to kill you and people are coming to take your jobs. And, and, and I, yeah. And for those who haven't watched it, the, the rhetoric is really that strong. Um, it's strong. You know, he said, you know, uh, right. Like, um, but I think, I, you know, he would, I think direct quotes are, you know, our cities are falling apart, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's. We it's have a, uh, at the de- someone I definitely someone definitely said uh, that there are ISIS agents in every state in all 50 states. I, or ISIS is operating in all 50 states. I mean, yeah, I mean, basically, he's saying, you know, America is, is the existence of our country is being threatened is, is the essential message. Independence Day. And aliens yeah, except it's yeah and you and people. your you know that's and 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 your um you know your jobs are being taken by immigrants and you know so it's definitely a message of fear um there's also the other thing yeah let's talk we'll continue talking about him for a minute and then we'll go and see what the messages are from the persuasion messages from the clinton campaign the other thing that um Another factor, I think, about the Trump persuasion message is it's actually relatively simple. It's relatively simple. Uh, and, and there aren't a lot of pieces to it. Okay? I mean, basically, um, you should be afraid. Uh, the terrorists are coming. Uh, the cities are falling apart. And the immigrants are coming to take your jobs. But I can fix it. And I can fix it. And so that's not particularly complicated, right? No. That's a fairly simple message. Now, if we look at the Clinton message, the first thing you'll notice, again, if you you know, watch or read their acceptance speech, all this comes out, but it also then just mirrors what they've been doing throughout their whole campaigns. If you look at the Clinton message, first of all, the first thing you'll notice is it's a lot more complicated. Okay, it's not just that these three things are going to happen, right? There's like so you know. So I'll ask you, Guthrie, what did you? And I don't know how. Did you watch? The, uh, I was I was quite busy uh, the last. I've been quite yeah, busy so the last two weeks. I will this. say, no, yes. I watched. Uh, I've watched some of the speeches. Did I see yeah. Hillary's in particular? Maybe excerpts. I've been following things quite closely. All right. So so. Um, what would I'm you say? You know, we we just kind of outlined what 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 Trump's basic campaign message is. Could you can you outline Hillary's? Well, I think I think um, there was. I think there. It's a couple couple things going on. I think her message before the convention was slightly different than her message after the convention because. Mm-hmm. Um, the convention was much more about about it kind of a national statement uh, whereas before she was running against Bernie and that was that was different um, so before the convention you know uh, her her argument first of all she, she's experienced um, definitely even before and after the convention you know uh, get things done 
is definitely uh, it was definitely a theme. Um, at post uh, once we've got to the convention, um, it was certainly uh, you know we're uh, we're the party of optimism and hope and inclusiveness and America is a multicultural uh, quilts of all different shades and um, uh, you know we're going to be accepting and uh, uh, but, but even before um, I think you know it's so funny because Bernie and Hillary actually are on the same page even though their campaigns had very different tones so Bernie essentially so so Bernie Sanders uh, was an independent candidate. He wasn't a Democrat for years and years and years. He was an independent um, senator from Vermont. Uh, he was was too far left for the Democrats. Uh, but what he wanted to do uh, is he wanted to run for president to bring um, uh, progressive issues that he has been championing for, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 yeah. years. Um, he's been championing these progressive issues issues and he cares about them deeply and he wants them to become ingrained uh in the uh, american public and so yeah. he's worked diligently for for years and the idea of him running for president um was never to have him be elected and then he can enact his change but was to broaden the mainstream appeal and and basically infect the democratic party with these progressive ideals Mm-hmm. And he very much succeeded in doing so. Um, the Democratic convention and party platform was considerably uh, more progressive or left uh, than it had been, it, it, you know, previously. And so, but but his whole thought was, you know, he was talking about a revolution on the stump, but, but his whole strategy has really been one of a slow grinding change, right? That these kind of seismic shifts in America and the, the direction of the country... Um, it's going to take it's taking years and decades and it's all part of a long slow grinding change to move the country forward um, and and that's his general uh, you know that's not exactly what he said in his speeches but but that is essentially um, his strategy to get the appeal of pr- the progressive movement uh, in the Democratic Party uh, and of course Hillary's message is basically that the way things get accomplished is by slow grinding change. And I am the candidate for slow, um, uninspiring, uh, grinding change. And so while that might not be sexy, um, it is effective. And so if you if you want results and if you want these uh, values to be continued, uh, to, to flourish, if you want the Obama legacy to be cemented, um, I, I, Hillary Clinton, am the candidate for that. So th- that's my that's my general impression. Um, yeah, and, and the, I mean, the message that came out during the convention was the phrase, you know, stronger together. Yeah, right? yes, yeah, that was the, yes, inclusiveness. So, so, but it just took you a lot more words to say what Hillary Clinton is about than what Donald Trump is about. Absolutely, so, it's a more nuanced, it's a more nuanced uh, view. So her message is um, about, it's not fear, it's hope, and it's more complicated. It's a more subtle and complicated message what, than Donald's. What I absolutely love is that in the course of one political cycle, the parties have completely flipped. So in 2012, um, if you recall, Obama hates America. He secretly dislikes America. 
America is the greatest country on earth. God bless America. USA number one. Um, you know, how dare anyone not wear a flag pin lapel? Um, America is the greatest country. And and if and within the span of four years, the the Republican convention was entirely about how horrible America is. It's falling apart. Uh, it, it it's not even great anymore. I mean, Trump's whole Trump's main phrase, make America great again. It literally implies that America is not great. Right. And the and that was the Republican, you know, mantra for who, you know, how many how many decades, probably since Reagan or even before, probably since the communist era that, um, you know, uh, that that, uh, you know, Democrats hated America and we, you know, but there was nothing to love. And now so, and so the Democratic primary was a flag waving and a patriotism and veterans and uh you know and right now even as we talk i mean who knows in 10 days when you hear this what'll happen the big um headline in the news cycle is uh donald trump um there was there was a there was a a, a muslim family and one of the sons was killed in um, iraq afghanistan I, I can't remember and uh, uh you know he's like you know i carry around a constitution in my pocket every day and i eat the sacrifices my family's made to this country um and and of course you know Donald basically wrote him off, but you know he's a veteran, and so had Obama written a veteran off, I, well, the, I can't the, even imagine the, the firestorm. The guy himself is not a veteran; his y- son. It, is yeah, his son is. Yes, um, sorry if I didn't make that clear. So it's and so the Democratic convention was just flag wavy and patriotism, and America's great, and we're the home of the free and the land of the brave, and it was, it, <laughs> it's such a weird. Such a weird political moment. Yeah, because normally that would be the Republicans. Exactly. So what do you so what do you think is more persuasive, fear or hope? Uh, simple or complicated? Uh, I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure if I agree with you that the Democrats' platform is one of hope. No, you said it was. It's more positive. That's that was their rhetoric. Um, You're right. Obama was more hope. In uh, the past. Obama's main right, yeah, was I mean, he wrote a book called The Audacity of Hope. Right. Um, certainly, the Democratic platform was more positive, um, but but from right. a takeaway, right? Yeah. Like, what do you feel? Do, do, I don't know if people left the Democratic convention feeling. This overwhelming sense of optimism. I think people, Democrats, believe there are all these problems with the country too. Um, even, but but it's much more of a let's roll up our sleeves and let's, um, <clears throat> you know. Uh, like, no, I think I think having watched all of it, I would say it is. It's definitely more hopeful. The uh, the the Democrats are, like you say, are saying, uh, you know, they're basically saying uh, America's great. We have issues, of course, to keep working on. They do have this slow, ponderous message. But basically, it's like we, you know, we, it's the opposite of fear. Things are not all falling apart. We're not all going to die. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I'm, I'm just using the word hope, fear versus hope. But um, we could just say positive versus negative. So, yeah. so what do you think is more persuasive, the negative simple or the positive complicated? I think it's definitely um, negative if people uh, feel negative. 
Yeah, because if people actually are afraid, um, you know, we know... Nothing's more powerful than fear. Nothing's more powerful than fear. We know from the research that that the um, old brain, uh, the part of the brain that is the part of your, your brain that is always looking out for your survival, called the reptilian brain, um, that's, I mean, it... I, oh, you know what I almost said? What? It trumps everything else. It's funny. Terrible pun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does, right? I mean, that's, that it's, it's instinctual. And so messages of fear um, are very, very powerful. And in fact, um, uh, the phrase I like to use is um, uh, the, the you know idea of losing something right which is what fear is all about i'm going to yeah. lose my livelihood i'm going to lose my life you know uh is is more powerful than the anticipation of gain right things will get better and so on um and that's true and it and it really is true now the other thing i mean there are other motivations besides fear that can be very powerful um, essentially, it, but they are more nuanced and they are more complicated. Uh, and so what, things like um, uh, the desire for mastery, the desire to grow, the desire, the need to belong to a group. Um, so, so in Trump's case, right, because yeah. his, the, the, the Trump platform is a very exclusive platform. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically we don't, we don't like brown people and they shouldn't be allowed in the country that is not exactly uh inclusive so if you feel so if you want to be feel part of a group and that group is you know liberty inclusiveness um you know then so 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 you have you're 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 scared because you don't want to be blown up by an isis cell in your city right but you also then you're internally conflicted because you also your self story is not one of someone who thinks that Muslims shouldn't be allowed in the country. So if you have those inner conflicts, then I think that that subdues the fear. Right. So that's the so, you know, it it is interesting. So you have the fear. And then mm-hmm. well, I think the point you're bringing up is, is there anything are any of these other motivations like. Uh, the need to belong, the desire for mastery, the self-story you have Mm -hmm. about yourself. Are any of those strong enough to overcome that initial fear? Because the fear will will easily take over. And, um, you know, this is, and so, you know, that's the question. And and we don't know the answer because we don't know, you know, what's going to happen. But in order, in order for, for people to not succumb to the fear, then one of these other motivators that, um, hey, I can do a little plug for my book, How to Get People to Do Stuff. One of, my, one of the other motivators, like self-stories, need to belong, desire for mastery, and so on, will need to uh, be uh, constantly reinforced. Otherwise, the fear will just trump 
You don't. <laughs> you can just say motivation. it's a word. You can, I you can know, just say but the it's word. Just a, it's too. It's too. It's too strange that mm. it's the word and the candidate at the same time. So yeah, I. I mean, and I don't know the answer of what's going to happen. But I. I'm just constantly fascinated. I mean, we know, for instance, that negative campaigns work. Negative ads work. Yeah. Um, and that's because of the, uh, you know, of the fear and the simplicity of of the message. Now, I thought we could also. Um, Oh, well, he, wait, we're talking about fear. Yeah. Do you know the Edward R. Murrow quote? No, what? Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really good. Um, I always think about it when we're talking about fear in these, this is kind yeah. of, um, so, uh, it goes, we will not walk in fear one of another. We will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. If we dig deep in our history and our doctrine and remember that we are not descended from fearful men. That's that's what I said. But yeah, remember that we are not descended from fear fearful men, not from men who fear to write, to speak, to associate, and to defend causes that were for the moment unpopular. So, I love yeah. that Edward R. Murrow quote. Yeah. So, um, like I, m I mentioned before, that that I didn't know whether either candidate campaign has hired. Um, persuasion experts but in the past that has happened so for instance um the obama campaign and i don't know if this was in 2008 and 2012 one or the other or both um had actually hired uh robert cialdini who wrote the psychology of influence and and a team uh he, they had a team of persuasion i'm still waiting to get a call i well i'm waiting to get a call yeah. well okay no, we me, are me on behalf of of yourself. Oh, absolutely. I I'm I uh, I'm surprised we haven't gotten a call, um, but we haven't. Uh, but anyway, uh, this has happened in the past. Yo, Hillary, um, call us. <laughs> so, well, now I have. I mean, I I actually did work on a. You've been interviewed about various things in the Hillary No, I worked. I, I worked. I was hired as a consultant for a brief amount of time for a congressional race. Hmm. Um, and uh, but then they didn't continue the race, so I wasn't very long. Um, now, uh, so we know that that's happened. Now, I also wanted to talk about um, technology and how yeah. technology and persuasion work together and have historically so this whole idea of it was obama right well obama was the uh, i'll i'll talk about the technology that obama used that was new and different but yeah. actually the first time technology became really important ah uh, yes good point yes was many years ago and i don't know the year of this do you know the year it I was say 60, 60 62 yeah yeah, it would have been the sixty-two. Race. Sixty-two because because it was because then that? it was no Wait because no it must sixty maybe. Do continue your thought. I'll I'll look it up. Look it up. It was Nixon versus Kennedy. So Richard Nixon was running against John Kennedy, and it was the first time the debates were televised. Before then, you know, there had been live debates. There had been d debates on the radio. It it, it was 60, which makes a lot of sense because yeah. the, cause it was then, because 64, 68, 72, 78, that was yeah. the... Yeah. So in 1960, um, Nixon versus Kennedy, the debates were on TV. 
<laughs> it was, and I don't know if you've seen this. You should definitely go watch oh, it. The camera angle is just this. amazing. It's basically like a four inch square of each candidate's face. Like their hair is not even entirely in frame. It's like, <laughs> it's a very, very close up. Well, TV a, was new. I know, I know, I know. It's just, it's a very tight. All right. And then what angle. do you see? What, what, what happened during the televised debates? Nixon sweat. Yeah. He was sweating. He looked, he looked clammy and nervous and people. And Kennedy was beautiful. Kennedy was, yeah, yeah. He just looked <laughs> calm and he was handsome and Nixon looked like a sweaty mess. And it made people think that, well, first of all, they just, you know, he looked bad. Um, but then they all, he also seemed not trustworthy, right? Because he looked nervous. There's, um, and, and also, I mean, good looking in politics go hand in hand, like, like bread and butter. Well, it's you know like they do, and there's there was a re- too. there was a research study done that showed um, actually looked at at candidates running. I believe maybe either more or exclusively in Canada. I don't know that it was the U.S. And they compared um, the attractiveness of the candidate it, uh, to the chances that they were going to win now this was not just at the national level but even at the local level and candidates who were deemed uh attractive were much more likely to well, win. i don't think that's surprising the they're races. much more likely to be successful in all walks of life that's right that's right but what's but interesting I, is also yeah. height um the you can yes if you want to be if you like there's a st- significant correlation between height and being a politician yeah so let's look at our last couple of presidents all right Obama, he is really tall. He's really tall. He's yes. really tall. Uh, yeah. Bush isn't super tall, but he's definitely not short. Uh, Clinton was is very tall. Um, you you know, mean Bill Clinton? Bill Bill Clinton, yes. Um, yeah. So there's just a long history of tallness. Very, very tall people yeah. winning elections. So um, the only good news for Hillary is Trump is not that tall. Yeah, but he's taller than Hillary. Yes, but but I. I have it, but see, this is this is my sneaky suspicion because because we haven't. First of all, men seem to win a lot more elections than women, so maybe this is completely yes. true and with the trend. But I actually think that it's not so much tallness, but tallness relative to gender. So relative mm. tallness. Are you a tall man? Yes, or are you a tall woman? Tall woman. Yes, exactly. How tall is Hillary Clinton? I don't know. I will I look don't it know up. Either. You, you continue to muse. I'll continue. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about is, yeah, what you mentioned, the technology that Obama used um, during oh, his... Can I, can I just can I just quickly yes, jump please. in? Um, so for those of you who don't know, in 2008, um, Obama was an outsider candidate. Uh, Clinton was the insider. Uh, and for reasons that apparently now make a lot of sense, he decided not to use the DNC's uh, system both in either the primary nor the you, general by election. By system, you mean? Uh, so the Democratic National uh, Committee has, the, they have a whole infrastructure that's dedicated to getting their candidates elected. They have databases on, uh, back then it wasn't much, but uh, compared to what it is today, but you know, right, they have databases. Registered Democrats, registered de- Democrats people who and vote Democrats. Addresses and yeah, various, various stuff. And the Obama um, campaign said, uh, screw that, we're not, going to touch them with a 10-foot pole. And they made their own independent system using very fancy technology. And you got to remember, this was 2007. So this mm-hmm. was, you know, pre-Twitter. Google was 
kind of a thing. I mean, it was like it's very early, you know, still pretty early in the technology age. Um, I think did the I had the iPhone just come out? Yep. So yeah, so that, about about then, um, and so they um, made a very what what today would just be considered a, your normal corporate um, you know uh, contacts system registry, right? You, you got all the you know, database of users and people who are, have interacted with your campaign and likely people and all kinds of data that you can, you know, glean and then go back to the well for, right? They had a huge um, database of email addresses to get donations and organize rallies and it was well, okay, not only now, that. But, but now that's, that's like the extent of my knowledge of it. Okay. And go I ahead. Can, I can tell you a little bit more about it which is that they, um, they used the system in a very specific way during the, um, the campaign. So if you were a volunteer for their campaign and you were going door to door, you would to you know, talk to people and get the vote out and, and so on, like between uh, the convention and the, the actual election. So during the time when, not during the primaries, during the general election. Um, when you would go to your local office, they would hand you a computer printout of who you were supposed to go, which doors you were supposed to knock on. You were not just supposed to go knock on doors. You're supposed to go knock on these particular doors in the, and so you'd get a little neighborhood, right? That was y y where you you get maybe like, you know, five blocks or whatever that you were supposed to work. Um, but only go going to talk to certain people on that block, the people whose name and address you were given. And then you had to mark on there um, when you went to talk to them, whether they were, whether they said they were going to vote for Obama, whether they said they were not going to vote for Obama, or whether they were unsure. Okay. And then you brought that piece of paper back to the office and they had then people at the office who would enter that into their software. And so what they had, a, they had very particular strategies, probably changed depending on neighborhoods. But basically, if you had talked to someone who said they were going to vote for Obama, they would not appear anymore on the next day's sheet. Okay? Yeah. And the no votes would not appear on the next day's sheets. Right. Because the only people they wanted people to talk to were the people that weren't sure. And so um, over time, it just, you know, the list got smaller and smaller, but it meant that they were targeting, uh, you know, particular people for the door-to-door. The -door. Now, then the phone calls, uh, as you got closer to the election, um, and, and the phone calls and the leaflets where they would, they would leave leaflets that would just say, go vote, and the phone calls that would remind people to vote would only go to the people who had said they were going to vote for Obama. So it was this very extremely coordinated uh, and, and computerized system that had never, as you said, I mean, it had, it had, that had never happened before. Yeah. That was the first. And it worked. And Got elected uh, twice. Apparently, something worked. Now, I don't know, you know, I don't know this time around what's going on with, um, with the, the campaigns, you know, what Hillary is doing versus what uh, Donald Trump is doing. 
Um, but I do know if you go to the um, if you go to the uh, websites of the candidates, mm-hmm. um, for the um, if you go to Hillary's website, there is a huge section. Uh, you have to get through the pages where they just want money, and that takes a while to get <laughs> around that. But if you can get around that, you will get to a, a page where they have um, job openings, and there are just this huge number of job openings for tech. Yeah. Uh, at the f- at their Brooklyn, New York office. Um, I mean, I mean, there's just they have, you know. Uh, just lots of you know programming analyst <laughs> digital this digital that um it, it's quite quite amazing and uh, so far and i'm sure trump must have that somewhere yeah. but i haven't found it <laughs> at the trump website yeah. um so i don't know whether you know the trump website is hiring computer people or not maybe they've just the trump um just in general the trump campaign is much smaller they have a much smaller staff so yeah so anyway that that's just uh so i'm sure that you know technology is going to be used now we also know in terms of technology that the twitter campaigns have been very active this <laughs> this go round. by the right? way trump is taller than hillary trump is six foot well, three i um, would think well hillary, that's tall yes trump that's is in the very tall especially for his age he's in about the 95th percentile wow. hillary's tall as well um what according to this she is five six um that's 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 yeah that's not short yeah no well especially for again for her age she's probably in the 85th percentile so again quite quite tall tall people and she if she wears some platform shoes maybe she'll be in the 90th percentile (laughs) i mean you laugh but oh my gosh so we're gonna see her on like yeah no trump trump is in the i mean i don't know if that counts as if that includes his hair though so (laughs) oh no trump hair jokes and i've you laugh, but it's two, it's two inches tall. So if you so if you yeah. just count the hair, then he's six one, and then he's maybe in like the seventy fifth percentile. It's a big difference. Yeah, uh, that's that's funny. Hillary's hair is very is large as well. So I don't know. Yes, they both I don't, have I can't, hair. I cannot tell the exactly how tall they are. But maybe but maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe of course. I mean, politicians generally have big hair, and I think that again, that's to make them appear taller. Now, do you think that it's um, like a, it's like a, it's like a, some sort of lizard that like flare, flails its little gill things to make right, itself ta- look larger? All right, enough on the hair. Talk to, talk to me <laughs> about the use of other technology in the campaigns. For instance, we know that um, the Donald is very active on Twitter. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I know that the Hillary campaign is active on Twitter. I, I don't know that it's billed as being Hillary. Um, I think it's her campaign. What about and and we know that you know the millennials, of uh, which you are uh, in, in that that group. You you guys are not that. You're not as big on Twitter as, for instance, the the Gen Xers are. Yeah, Twitter's not a big so, deal um, compared to other social media. Yeah, so uh, Instagram the, or Snapchat. Yeah, so Instagram and Snapchat it, are either of the candidates on that because I I don't oh, know. I I'm haven't been sure. paying attention. I I'm sure both they they all have the, their little Snapchat. But you guys. haven't been paying attention to that. No, no, I don't. Most I don't 
um, for Snapchat and Instagram as well. I don't really follow famous people. I really only follow my my friends Your own from, uh, from personal level. Um, but Snapchat is snap Snapchat is fun. Uh, two days ago, yeah. Um, Draymond Green, who is maybe the twelfth best basketball player in the NBA, yeah. He meant to uh to to snap a private chat and send it out. Uh oh. But he accidentally hit the public button. And oh, totally snapped, like, I don't know, like, 14 million people as penis. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a dick pic. Oh, no. <laughs> he went up to his public feed. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, and then if he's like, oh, it's hacked, and then, he, and then later he's like, no, I, I, maybe, I hit maybe the wrong it's button. A, maybe it's a good thing that <laughs> if Hillary and... Donald, don't use Snapchat. That's so funny. Yeah, so th- that's the age we live in. Um, so, yeah, you're one, you're one wrong click away. You're one, one movement of your finger away from uh, from disaster. accidentally sending 14 million people yeah. a picture of your penis. Yeah. Directly to their phone. It's not like they had to like go look for it. It's like they get a notification. Yeah, that's not good. That it's. All right, we're going to hope that that does not happen with either Uh, political candidate in uh, this campaign season. What a story. Uh, I mean, hacking is definitely an issue in this campaign season. Yes. Talking about technology and campaigns, and that's uh, likely to consider now uh, to to continue. Um, The other thing that's that's an issue with technology uh, in this campaign season is that many of the states um uh have been served notices by like the FBI that their voting registration uh databases are either either have been hacked or are in danger of being hacked. Yeah, there's it's all just a giant disaster. So this is this is exciting. Um I will say I don't want to get too deep into that because uh, the U- United States government and its use of technology is abysmal. They're complete. They're always behind. It's just a giant, impossible labyrinth of depressingness. Uh, you know, I think it was last month, finally, for the first time ever, people in Congress could now no longer can use another phone that's not a BlackBerry. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Uh, iPhones and Android phones were not approved for security clearance until like last month. All right. Well, which and and so like there's it's just a disaster, right. and then I'm then sure then, all, then... and the states are worse, and I'm sure everyone got hacked and all the data is gone. Right. It's really so easy let, to hack into not, the voter registration. Let's role. not even go there. Then. Or the voting machines themselves, and there's no. All right. We, oh, we, and we'll also we we live we live in an age in which one presidential candidate told the historic arch enemy of the country that they should commit espionage on another presidential candidate. Apparently, he was just being sarcastic. So so this is the... Yeah. Oh, and we also live in an age in which another country, Russia, hacked into one of our political parties in an attempt to influence the United States election. I like... If this happens during the Cold War, it's a nuclear winter. I I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's, It's like espionage of the highest level, but no one seems to care. So... All right. Well, on this very hopeful, weird. this hopeful, positive note. So, oh no! This, wait, it's a fearful is, note. This election is so bizarre. Like everything is just bizarre. Um, yeah. So, but but besides the technology, but that's just the technology in a governmental structure. Yes. The yes. campaigns are 
probably they they have they hire smart smart people. Yes, so they probably have. They'll the whole get out the vote the thing or uh, yeah. get out your you know party's uh, vote. Yep. yep. Very very important. Yeah. I don't think we I don't feel like we got to it like enough enough like real research and insight. Well, we're at an it's time to end the episode. It, I'm not really too surprised. I mean, it's a it's a tough it's a tough topic. Very broad. Well, I guess we're going to see whether the um, whether fear and simple can be trumped by nuanced and uh, other motivations. I actually, uh, uh, I don't know if you've seen. Um, it's so funny. Everyone's trying to make a political slogan. Yeah. And I feel like some of them are really good, and some of them just are kind of grimacing. Yeah. Um, both sides do both ways. Uh, I really liked the um, the love Trump's hate. Yes, that's very. Interesting. I thought I thought that was a very clever yeah. play on words. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh. Well, apparently, in the uh, there were people walking around in the Republican convention with uh, with lapels that said, um, uh, "I'd rather be a bitch than vote for one." So okay, that we've definitely reached the end of you know podcast episodes. So. <laughs> So that happened. Anyways, uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> we're sorry if we've depressed everybody. <laughs> we'll try and do a more upbeat one next time. How's hey, that? hey, I just want to, just, just so everyone knows. What? Everything's fine. <laughs> the sun is still shining. Uh, like, Cthul- like Cthulhu has not risen. Uh, and is, Do you know Cthulhu? No. Do you ever read? Uh, do you do you know uh, Lovecraft? Yes. Yeah. Did you ever read any Lovecraft? I did a very long time ago. Yeah, uh, that's that's his like that's his whole kind of portals to other dimensions and uh, okay. like the old the old gods like rising up and okay very interesting stuff. Um, but uh, kind we're, of a, the world is not ending and we're okay. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah, question? guys. And it's like, Good. look, it's just it's just politics. It's just politics. It's just politics. You know, so. People, people are very worried, and there's grinding of teeth on all sides, and the flailing of limbs, and the gnashing of bodies. But it's it'll be it'll be okay. <laughs> Thanks, Guthrie. I'm glad to hear. I mean, that. like I said, I always take um, pleasure in the fact that in the United States has been around for 250 years, and yeah. there's been way more turbulent times. Again, yeah. senators getting beaten, and people getting assassinated, yeah. and bombs blowing up, and anarchists and communists. Yeah. And, Right, like race riots. I mean, we we've we've dealt with a lot worse yeah. than. So we'll keep going. We'll keep going. So, see now on that positive. Now on that positive note, positive we can note, say uh, uh, enjoy goodbye. Your, your your weekend. Uh, yeah. Again, who knows when this will will air? But uh, hopefully, by the time it does, like everything we've said is not completely irrelevant. And uh, we'll be. be interested to see whether we hear back from anyone since we're talking about politics. People um, people tend to um, get excited about politics. Yeah, they they tend to to be. So if you want to get excited us. and talk to us, you can uh, email us at info at com. Send us your ideas for future podcast episodes. I knew we were getting in trouble when we did a politics episode. And uh, <laughs> I won't give out my Twitter handle then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't email us. Just just tweet the. 
uh, Donald uh, at, at Donald, Donald Trump, Trump or yeah. um, at the Hillary campaign directly, and <laughs> you can just leave us out. Of it. That's All right. Don't blame the messenger. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.